Hello, this is your fertility pharmacist. This podcast is for women who are trying to overcome infertility. If you keep a pulse on late-breaking fertility research, it could positively alter the course of your fertility journey like it has for me. Hi, I'm Elise, your fertility pharmacist. Happy 2023. This year, I'll be recording less frequently due to a need to shift priorities. Having said that, I wanted to be sure to record this specific episode as it helps to answer questions about dosing an important fertility drug and natural hormone called human chorionic gonadotropin, which for short is called HCG. The article inspiring this episode was published in the second half of 2022 in Reproductive Biomedicine Online, aka RBMO. The title of the article decently explains what it's about, and the title is, Does the HCG trigger dose used for IVF impact luteal progesterone concentrations? A randomized controlled trial. I picked this study because the number one search for podcast episode of Your Fertility Pharmacist came from June 2020, which involved women using HCG in frozen embryo transfers. In today's study that involves fresh embryo transfers, HCG was used during IVF to trigger the final maturation of eggs, which are medically called oocytes, before the big day of egg retrieval. The HCG that is given as a trigger shot remains active in a woman's system for several days afterwards. During this time, the HCG provides a bit of support in producing progesterone, which is a hormone that is critically important for embryo transfer. By the time that HCG leaves her system, however, a woman doing IVF will have hormone imbalances that challenge her body's ability to produce enough progesterone on its own, and that progesterone is crucial during the period when the embryo needs to implant. To ensure she has enough progesterone for a successful embryo implantation, a woman will typically start taking progesterone a few days before embryo transfer. Given that women do take progesterone to help with fresh embryo transfer, and keeping in mind that the HCG trigger shot also helps to spur on internal progesterone production, today's study sought to tease out the impact of three different HCG trigger doses on internal progesterone production. The teasing out part came in because, besides using three different doses of HCG, the study also tested two different types of progesterone, intramuscular and vaginal progesterones, because the study authors believe that vaginal progesterone only does a so-so job at providing progesterone support, and that the injectable progesterone, called 17-alpha-hydroxyprogesterone, would be able to comparatively determine the impact of HCG on progesterone production. To sum, from two doses of progesterone and three doses of HCG came four different study groups for women to join. Speaking of the women, the study recruited women ages 18 to 40 who were doing IVF followed by a fresh embryo transfer. The women could have any type of infertility diagnosis. Regarding weight, the women could be of normal weight, overweight, or obese, so long as their BMI was between 19 to 34. Women could be using a sperm donor or the sperm of their partner. On the day before or on the same day that the women took their ovulation trigger shot, a computer randomized them equally into the four different dosing groups. These four groups were group number one, 5,000 units of pregnal, which is urinary HCG, taken as that one-time trigger shot, which was followed by intramuscular progesterone every three days. Group number two, 
6,500 units of Ovitril, which is recombinant HCG with the intramuscular progesterone. Group number three, 10,000 units of Pregnal with intramuscular progesterone. And group number four, which was considered the control group, a one-time trigger shot of 6,500 units of Ovitril, followed by progesterone vaginally, taken two times a day. If I wasn't looking at these doses, I'd be confused, so I'm going to recap and clarify a bit. All the women in groups 1, 2, and 3 took the same dose of intramuscular progesterone every three days, as the authors felt this would be the progesterone that would help them figure out the impact of HCG. It was only group 4 that was on the vaginal progesterone. As for the HCG dosing, groups 1 and 3 took Pregnal at two different doses, and groups 2 and 4 took Ovitrol at the same dose. While I personally think the authors should have picked one kind of HCG and stuck with it, the authors explained that they chose 5,000 units of Pregnal, 6,500 units of Ovitrol, and 10,000 units of Pregnal because these were the standard HCG doses used at their clinic. Turns out, all that effort of separating patients into Pregnal and into Ovitrol ran into trouble. The study was two-thirds of the way through enrolling their patients when Pregnal, the urinary HCG, went off the market. The remaining patients had to switch over to Ovitrol to doses that were close to their Pregnal doses of 5,000 into 10,000. By the way, if you're wondering, what's the difference between the urinary and the recombinant HCGs? Well, the urinary HCG comes from, you guessed it, urine. It's the urine of pregnant women, whereas the recombinant HCG comes from the ovary cells of Chinese hamsters. So far, no rigorous studies have proven that one type of HCG is better than the other, which is good because it seems like there are near-constant shortages making it hard to get HCG. At this point in a world full of supply chain problems, if you can get your hands on an HCG approved by your country's medicines regulatory agency, then this is the HCG you should use for your cycle. Okay, after that longer than expected digression, let's get into the results. Ultimately, 94 women finished the study. A quarter of the women who entered the study had to exit because their embryo transfer cycles were canceled for various reasons and the number of women who had their cycles canceled was similar between those four groups. Regarding egg and embryo outcomes, no differences were seen between the number of eggs retrieved, how many were fertilized, and how many day three or day five embryos were available for transfer. Regarding progesterone levels, the authors spliced and diced those progesterone levels so many different ways. Given it might be tough for you to follow what happened in each of the four groups, I'm going to speak to the highest level of the results. If you'll recall from what I said a few minutes ago, having enough progesterone around during embryo implantation is critical. The most relevant finding from the study was that, based on the dosing of HCG, every single ovarian follicle increased progesterone output. The 10,000 unit dose of HCG led to the highest progesterone output from each follicle, and the authors wondered if giving an even larger dose than 10,000 units would prove even more useful for increasing progesterone. Doses higher than 10,000 units are sometimes, but not often used in clinical practice, though perhaps they should be. Moreover, the authors believe that 5,000 units of HCG prevented follicles from living up to their full potential. 
The patients in group 1 who had taken the 5,000 units had lower levels of pregnancy, but it's absolutely worth noting that the study was not designed to be able to detect if, statistically, the differences in pregnancy rates between the four groups had any meaning. Thus, the strongest statement the authors could make about the 5,000-unit dose was that it was okay to use if a woman was planning to freeze eggs or embryos, but that dose was not enough to use in women who plan to do a fresh embryo transfer. The authors ended their paper with the suggestion to individualize the HCG trigger dose to best optimize the progesterone levels for the critical implantation period. And that is the gist of this 13-page research paper. Taking a bigger picture reflection on the research, overall it was decent. The authors wrote about the obvious strengths in their study. It was a randomized controlled trial. They clearly defined who could and could not enter their trial. They had comprehensive follow-up for the patients, and they had a nearly complete data set from the many visits the patients had to make. Before starting the study, they'd calculated how many patients would be needed to finish the trial in order to have statistically meaningful results. And fortunately, enough women completed the trial to make use of their power calculations. Last but not least on the study pros, it was well-researched, and the results correlated well with prior studies. That consistency is reassuring. Speaking on the limitations, the study would have lowered the risk for bias if everyone involved in the study had been blinded as to who was taking which drugs and which doses, though this would have prevented huge logistical challenges. Also, not really the study's fault, but the study was certainly impacted by the need to switch patients from UHCG to RHCG two-thirds of the way through the study, and there weren't enough patients in the full study to suss out differences in groups 1 and 3 based on who took the U versus the RHCG. Finally, full disclosure, I'm throwing my bias into the study weakness, but that paper was torturously difficult to follow. I actually displayed the same study on two different computer monitors so I could go back and forth more easily to figure out what each table meant in relation to each result. It was tough to keep track of all those blood levels and their implications for four different groups. To me, the authors underexplained some things, like why they chose the injectable progesterone, and they overexplained a lot of their results. To conclude, the study found that different trigger doses of HCG impacted progesterone levels in women doing fresh embryo transfer, but more research is needed because the study was not powered to assess pregnancy results. To spare you the brutality of reading that paper from start to finish, I've tried to include as many study details as possible in the show notes. And that concludes today's episode. For the study summary, research links, and more, head to www.yourfertilitypharmacist.com. This is Your Fertility Pharmacist. Thanks for tuning in. 